Welcome back to the Forest Thinking Podcast. It's Christy and Charlie here. Good morning. And today we're going through um, an interesting topic. Uh, We're going through four things that you should be telling your marketing team if you're in marketing ops. And we got this idea because, and by the time this comes out, we would have already done the clubhouse, but tomorrow we're doing a special clubhouse during the marketing noon hour with um, Sweetfish Media around four things that your marketing ops team or person is not telling you um, that you should know. And so we want to flip this on its head. We know a lot of you work in marketing ops or you support marketing ops, um, manage them. And so we wanted to talk through what are the four things that you should be telling your marketing team so that you can have them have more empathy for you or understand how you work, really make that set those expectations, things they should know. Uh, So Charlie's going to go through those today. So Let's just get to it. What's the first thing, Charlie, that marketing ops people should be telling their marketing team? Well, the short answer is just things take longer, always take longer than we think. Yeah. You know, I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. We want to make people happy. They say, oh, we've got this new tool. Can you get this set up? Or we need to fix this, you know, other thing. And they throw it on your plate. And straight away, you just say, oh, yeah, I can have that done this week or I could have it done in a, in a couple of weeks without really thinking, okay, this is going to be either a beast to implement or I've got a ton of technical debt that I'm going to have to work through to be able to get this implemented properly or I'm just absolutely slammed. So now I'm going to have to work, you know, my evenings just to get this done. Um, And, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast before around marketing operations, people like being, being people pleasers. We like to make people happy. Mm -hmm. We like to, you know, kind of have a bit of a hero complex I feel like sometimes like taking and give me all the work like I'll get it done um and you know you don't have to be like that right. I think you you end up doing yourself a bit of a disservice because you know the expectations just keep on getting greater and greater and greater and then your ability to meet those expectations keeps on getting eroded and eroded and eroded mm-hmm. so um the first one we need to be honest about how long things take even yeah. if that's not what people want to hear Yeah. I always think of the example of when you, well, pre-COVID, when a lot of people didn't let you book reservations, you'd go to like a brunch place and you'd ask for a booking (laughs) and they're like, you know, you ask how long the wait will be and they'll say like 20 minutes and then it ends up being an hour and how pissed are you by that time? But if they actually say an hour and you just wait it and you're like, oh, is this worth an hour? Okay. But at least the expectations were on point. Or even if it took less than that, you're like, oh, okay. That mm-hmm. wasn't that bad. You know, uh, That's so a good it's, analogy. it's always better to over um, project or, or make them realize that, you know, it'll take longer instead of just committing to a short time frame that you can never get to. Yeah. And, you know, the best people in the best teams in MOPS have SLAs with all of their, mm-hmm. um, all of their internal customers, so to speak. So, you know, that work, it's a bit easier to have SLAs when it comes to campaign execution because, oh, yeah. we've got to get a nurture set up or a webinar set up or an email out the door. That's going to take, you know, this many days or this many weeks. I need this by this date and that by that date. You know, for other kind of more strategic projects, you know, it's a bit more difficult to have SLAs, but for, for managing, you know, issues and bugs and stuff like that you can have SLAs on how quickly you'll you'll respond you know it's kind of like a a support team you know for a tech company they're going to have SLAs uh, for how quickly they're going to get back to their customers so SLAs are a great way to help manage expectations and then uh, what you have to do a lot of the time is 
not always beat your SLA. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're the campaign operations person managing campaign X and you're constantly getting that email out, you know, same day in one or 24 hours, 48 hours, when really your SLA is a week, then people just start to expect that. Mm -hmm. And then the time, the one time it takes you a week to do it, now they're pissed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to be honest about how long things take. And then sometimes if it's, even if it's going to be quicker, kind of just don't rush it. Like you've got enough work to do to, you know, keep that expectation in check. Yeah. All right. What's the second one? Um, this one's a hard one to talk about, I think. Um, and it's all about, again, it's about honesty. I think we have to be honest with our team about how much technical debt. Yeah. And I don't want to be cruel, but how much of a mess a lot of these systems are. Mm-hmm. If you're not in it day to day, you would be forgiven to think, you know, yes, there's some issues, just some fire drills, might have some data issues, but you might not be, they might not really be aware of all of the issues that you're just battling under the surface all day, every day, creating a lot of stress, adding to your workload, um, making things way more difficult, adding time onto things. Um, but a lot of we're reluctant to do it because you it, it kind of like it's admitting that we might have messed up. Mm-hmm. The, the the difference though, and the, the thing that I would go back with it is never just one person's fault. No, these days, you know, most most companies, you know, you you've and you've started working there, you've inherited a lot of technical debt, and then you've had unrealistic expectations put on you to like implement this tool, you know, build this process, add on this complexity and, you know, bend the tools to the will of the rest of the marketing team that you've had to do. So, you know, don't feel guilty or bad or that it's going to be any way or it shouldn't be, you know, blamed on you as a marketing operations person. If you, if you admit, you know, these systems are getting a bit out of control. We have to audit them, deal with these issues, and it can help us, you know, move quicker in the future. But, and I felt, I find a lot of team, we want, we don't want to admit that to the wider team because it makes operations look bad, but I think it's time for everyone to have a bit of a reality check. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, and if, if your team doesn't know what technical debt is, I think it's even good just setting the primer of, just within your team kind of describing what what that is, what is the impact and, and giving real life examples. Hey, remember when we had our webinar and the records didn't sync over? Well, we have all this stuff in Salesforce that's preventing that happening and, and we need to address that. Mm-hmm. So just giving them real life examples of how that's really impacting their day-to-day and campaigns, I think sets the picture. Yeah, I've been working with a client recently and um, we were just trying to help with lean data routing on the contact yeah and um that then led into going okay well because we wanted a route based on you know accounts and account owners Mm -hmm. and then we start finding oh there's you know a lot of duplicate accounts okay what's causing all of these duplicate accounts and then we start digging and we find oh they've got the free trial that data synced through a custom integration they the engineering team built and it's adding leads into the system and automatically converting them, creating a new account every single time. Now, there's a, there's a lot more goes into that because they've got kind of Zora connected and service cloud and everything. But most of the company didn't really know like how bad that problem was. 
some people are like feeling little symptoms here and there, like the customer success team are like, which account am I dealing with? And sales team are kind of like getting confused, but no one really knew how, you know, out of control that whole system was and right. how bad it is, how it's just continually getting worse. We started to kind of highlight it. We ran around all the stakeholders from pretty much every business unit in the company and then started to explain like why this, why, how bad this was and why it's bad and why it needs to be addressed. And now we've got a cross-functional team of people all willing to fix the problem, right? Whereas before it was more just like kind of people just dealing with the symptoms here and there mm-hmm. and everyone just kind of have it just like living with that technical debt and not being able to work properly. So sometimes it's good to just like highlight things, do a tour around the company and explain it. And then maybe you'll get the support you need to fix it. Totally. Yeah. So um, third one, three out of four. Um, this one, I think I heard people talk about this recently. I think this is starting to get around. There's no such thing as an easy tool or tech. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every vendor and every every salesperson will say like, this integrates perfectly. This is easy to set up. You know, it's very intuitive. And part, some of that might be true. But every time you add a new tool to the stack, it isn't just like plus one extra work. It's kind of, It's an exponential growth curve of work because you have to think about the integration, the data, how that data interacts with the data in your other systems, the order of operations, if it's updating data at a certain time or needing data to be updated Mm -hmm. for that tool to do its job. So that then kind of explodes because it starts adding on, you then need to think about that tool within all of the existing tools in the stack. Mm -hmm. So it isn't just like plug this in and it just kind of throws the data in at any point, you know, within whatever data flow that you have set up. It all needs to be mapped out and thought about properly within kind of an order of operations approach to process the data in the right way. Yeah. So if you're, so when you add that tool again, or when people are talking about adding to, oh, marketing ops person, this is an easy tool we're looking at. Like the salesperson told me it's like 10 minutes to implement. You need to be honest and say, this is going to add, you know, potentially hours to my week every week just to just to deal with this one tool, right? Yeah. Shiny object syndrome too does not play well with this. And I think it's good to make this really clear for the non-technical people because especially leadership because a lot of the leaders on those teams are saying, "Oh, we should just get this solution." But they don't realize like what goes into that. And so if they're doing their own planning as well and like think that this tool can be up off the ground in like weeks and they're banking their whole um, that to support their strategy, that, you know, that's a nightmare. And this happens all the time. This mm-hmm. happens. I am dealing with with this right now, even on a, a like a non-client related project. Just anytime you add on tech, like it needs I think the whole team needs a little bit of education on like what goes into that how long it takes and set expectations of what's the reality of using that tool to support your strategy. Like how long would they have to wait to do that? Yeah. And it goes back to your three B's, right? Do you have Mm -hmm. the bodies? Do you have the budget? And do you have the business case? Um, The first one is the most key one in what we're talking about here because nine times out of 10, you don't have the bodies, right? So you're just adding another tool, another load of work on the marketing, one, the one marketing operations person you have on the team's plate 
they're already managing you know 20 25 tools themselves so that again be be clear be honest um the the workload and you know maybe maybe if they if if they're trying to push you know an aggressive expansion within your technology stack then maybe that gives you a reason to increase your bodies like get another piece get another headcount yeah okay fourth and final one you're gonna say the a word (laughs) (laughs) what's what's the a word attribution (laughs) um just wanted to keep people guessing for a second uh so everyone um how do i phrase this because i don't want to hurt people's feelings no not that i mean it's not about hurting people's feelings it's about not it's about kind of explaining it the right way so people don't get put off by it so i think people outside of marketing ops or data or analyst roles or anything like that i i think they don't yet understand attribution yeah uh, or a lot of people don't yeah I mean I'm sure that, that's why I need to be more nuanced loads of people do understand it that's what, so if you're the person that understands it great but, but a lot also of people to, don't. To, to, to clarify your point I think everyone has different definitions of it too well I like think I had someone who's like oh a lead source on a lead is attribution well it is it's just a hundred percent attribution exactly right? but like I think if you but I think there's misconceptions also sometimes of the different types of attribution like which one which one you should be using, which one the company is using, yeah. just in general. like. And I think yeah. I think that whatever your attribution model, you know, if it is like that kind of like a, a, a first, first touch, touch. Mm-hmm. attribution model where you're going to give 100% of the credit to whatever maybe like created that lead or whatever, um, and then that turned into opportunity. This isn't about what model. I think it's about how to use the data. Yeah. So I see a lot of stuff on LinkedIn about attributions dead. It's stupid. We shouldn't do it anymore. It, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of leading marketers astray. And I think where this comes from is that data has been positioned as kind of this holy grail. You know, you don't need to think anymore, right? Like just buy this attribution tool and your, or build this attribution model. And you as a marketer, We'll, we'll never have to make it make a decision again because the decision has been made for you by the data, right? It's like, oh, this channel is always performing better than this channel. Then I need to, you know, completely just change my budget to put more budget in that channel, and I don't even need to think about it. Or what's worse is they're looking at attribution to show their credit. Right, exactly, and that goes to Allison's point on our team, kind of losing attribution to prove, and not just improve, right? right? So the former is where you're just trying to just say, okay, this is, this is what kind of created this up. Like this is, this is that touch point, that event, got it. You yeah. know, but as we all know, the buying journey is far more complex like that. There are going to be touch points that are invisible that you're not able to see like word of mouth, someone listening to your podcast, someone stumbling across your LinkedIn post. And then there's going to be um, touch points that you do see because you've got UTM parameters and you're tracking them and all of that kind of stuff. And of course, the attribution model is going to weight things towards what you can track, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? Because if you have to be an intelligent marketer and realize, yes, we're still going to do that other stuff. Right. We might not be able to track it. We might have to think through how we're going to be able to, if we do want to take a data-driven approach, how can we capture information about these 
invisible touch points. But at the same time, you can still help improve your marketing by looking at the stuff you can track mm -hmm. and using that data and judging those channels and those campaigns against each other, refining your budget allocation and thinking through what is working and what you need to you know, double down on, what might maybe you need to yeah. pull back on and just keep on improving what you're doing. Um, and I think the kind of the quote or the, the stat or whatever is if you improve 1% every day for a year, you're 37 times better. That might, might be wrong, Google it. But you, it's that continuous growth mindset. And if you can use data to help inform your decision-making and to be that little bit better, that will compound over time and you will be performing better. So that's where I think the attribution conversation gets kind of sidetracked because people expect it to just be definitive. Mm -hmm. It's like, I should be a hundred percent better with my decision makers. No, you're going to get marginal benefit day to day, mm -hmm. but that marginal benefit compounds. And that's how you will continually improve your marketing effort. And may, and you know, that, and, and I'm saying marginal benefit at a minimum, right? You could find some real insight in there that can give you a lot more benefit, but at a, at a minimum, you can get compounding um, marginal benefit through better decision-making each and every day. Yeah. It just gives you insight into like how to adjust your dials and, and really it's really great for explicit attribution. Mm -hmm. There's even implicit attribution, which a lot of that could be the things that we can't really measure, but are, are really good. And, and I, when I think of this, I think of also in your personal life, like from a health perspective, you know, if you're tracking your workouts, you know, that day, you know, you could be controlling your, you're also looking at your food intake, like caffeine, sleep. Those are all dials that you can actually like measure. But then there's other things like the weather that day or your hormones, like all these things like that, like, you know, maybe some stress that happen that are harder to actually like see on paper. Like this, this is what is happening, but they still get they still have an impact on your results and so but you but just because of that you shouldn't just not track the other stuff right? exactly exactly you st at least track the things that you can control and then you can track but also as you're ingesting that data think about the other things that might also have an impact and that's the big picture it doesn't mean you don't think about those things it doesn't mean that they don't matter they do but you just bring that into the whole picture yeah don't throw it away because it's not going to just be the the silver bullet, right? Right. Yeah. So that's the four. All right. Yep. Well, hopefully you guys um, got some inspiration on some, you know, things to chat about with your, your marketing team. And if you uh, do meet with those teams, maybe start to have some like education talks or, or lunch hours or something like that, where you can start educating the team on these different areas. Um, and that could really help your marketing ops team just be more aligned and um, working more efficiently to support that whole team. Yeah, so. that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I, I, from some of the best marketing people I, I work with, they, they have that, they feel like they're a consultant kind of in their own company, right? Yeah. Trying to consult the rest of the marketers, how to use data, how to be better, how to think about things. They're not just, you know, a reactive button pusher. Mm -hmm. So take the, be proactive, try and get this type of information out around the team. And, you know, it can go some way to helping you be able to get a bit of a balanced job and not feel, feel so stressed out, I hope. 
totally. And just building your brand too. So um, yeah, so hopefully that was useful for everyone. We'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. And if you like this episode, please share it with your colleagues or friends or on social. Um, we love for you to share the love for Forward Thinking. So and if you didn't like it, tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one.